you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. In 2018, I hosted a roundtable at the NFL Draft to discuss the journey of an NFL player. The podcast featured receiver-turned-broadcaster Nate Burleson, all-time Bills legend Fred Jackson, and Hall of Fame linebacker Mike Singletary. Let's listen in. One of the things people don't realize about the NFL is that at a very young age, you suddenly become prominent in your communities. I wanted to ask you guys, starting with you, Nate, how did you get involved in the community? What was that like, that responsibility? It goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about that relationship, that woman, the game of football that you fall in love with. You know, just think about any spouse that you guys may have had in your life as in the past or in your life right now. For example, my wife, if I only liked a couple things about her, it might be easy to be detached or disconnected or even walk away when times get tough. But if you're detailed about it, if you know the color of her eyes, you know, the way her eyelashes blink in the sun, the length of her hair, her skin tone, her complexion, the sound of her voice, but more importantly, what she's like when she cries. So you never want to see those tears again. If you know all these small details about the person you're in love with, you're going to appreciate them more, you're going to invest more, and you're going to be willing to put yourself out there more. Now let's get back to football. It's the same thing. If you go to a city, and we know guys like this, we play with guys like this, they're to collect a check. They don't want to go dive into that city. They don't want to invest themselves in that city. 
And if there's something going on within that city, it doesn't impact them. But if you play in a certain city and you're willing to invest your heart, your mind, your time, your energy, and you can appreciate all the small details. I played in Detroit at the end of my career when literally a guy in the locker room said, oh, man, I thought it was a rumor that you signed here because this is like the graveyard for guys' careers. And I'm thinking, this is the representation of the team? Like, you suit up on Sundays, they pay you? And that's your ringing endorsement for me as a free agent the first time you see me in this locker room? And that guy didn't last, he got cut, and that guy wasn't in the city either. But me, I started to learn all these things about Detroit, all the surrounding areas, the pretty parts, the Birmingham's and Bloomfields, and then I learned about the hood, downtown Detroit, 8 Mile. Um, I knew what the, the city looked like. I knew what the city felt like. So what can you do? Do you remain detached as a player and say, I'm good. I got my fancy car, my house in the hills. Like, that doesn't bother me. But if you're invested, it does, though. There's no way you can sit back, collect a check, and look at people supporting you and not feel like you need to do something. Not that you have to because it's Tuesday and the PR person saying, it's good for your image, man. Go to that school and go read a book. Nah, because you might not have time and you say, you know what, I'm going to make time because this means more to the city than it means to me. I'll share a quick story that puts this all in perspective. I'm in Detroit. It's a group of us, like me, Calvin Johnson, Matt Stafford, and we're going to a Drake concert, and we're at the Italian restaurant next door, and we're sitting back, we're eating, we're having drinks. It's a great time. Season's going decent. This guy comes up to the table, and he says, hey, listen, I just want to tell you guys, um, I appreciate you. I mean, truly, you guys, you guys come with it every single game, and it's a lot different. I mean, there's been some bad years where we literally can look on the field and see guys giving up in the middle of the game. You guys aren't like that. It's not, it's not necessarily about the results, but it's just about the effort. And I just want to say, like, I spent every dollar, every last dime to get those seats. Now, they're not the best seats, but I support you guys. And it's your effort. If the wins come, cool. If they don't, I'm going to be there anyway. And so we're looking at each other like, man, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. He walks off, goes downstairs. And we're all looking around. We're like, okay, we heard that before. Man, it feels good, though. It feels good that they see us different than teams in the past. And the waitress comes over and we say, excuse me, ma'am, um, what was the chef's name, the guy that came over? The one that I just talked to, he's like, the chef? I don't remember chef coming I'm like, yeah, the, the older black dude, bald-headed guy, he came over, he was talked to a second ago. She's like, oh, that's not, that's not a chef. Uh, he cleans up the kitchen. And I'm like, oh. She walks away, and for the first time in this jovial night that we're all having fun and cheering, silence at the table. So I take off my hat and I was just like, look, y'all don't have to do anything. I'm just speaking for myself. I'm about to put some money in his hat and I'm going to send it downstairs. And it's not about us giving him money, but I, like, after like, replaying that conversation in my head, the one thing that stands out is he said, I spent every last dime to watch y'all play. And I, I will never forget that because that next game, I remember talking to my guys and I would always do the pregame. I was a rah-rah guy. And I get these guys going, I always speak from the heart. And I said something that I never said before, but it applies to everything you do. And I said, listen, man, we're in Detroit. We've got 60 minutes to play some football. For the next 60 minutes, we could determine the happiness for the next seven days of this city. And there's people that are sitting up in these stands that are making pennies and spending those pennies to watch millionaires play football. And guys put money in, and we sent it downstairs, and 
it was that moment, it was heavy for us, but it was good for us. Thank you, Nate. Fred, what, who motivated you to get involved? In the hard to follow my man Nate with that great story right there. I mean, I want to put something in the hat now. You know, so, you know, so. But I mean, it was the same way in Buffalo. You know, Buffalo and Detroit, I said, we're, sis or, we're sister cities. You know, hardworking, everybody in Buffalo, we could be six and nine and it's 40 degrees outside with three feet of snow on the ground. We still got a packed stadium. And I said to myself, I was like, look, man, if these people are going to come support me like this, the easiest thing I could do is go out into a community and let them know how much I appreciate them for that. I was a big believer in Aaron Williams wrote a great piece on the Players' Tribune about me taking him under my wing. And one of the things I told him was, man, learn what community you're playing for, because it fuels you as a player when you're not playing for yourself, when you're out on the football field and you're playing for a community, your game goes from this to the next level like that. One of the things I always wanted Buffalo to know was I was going to be out there working hard for them because I know they worked hard during the week to be able to get those tickets to come watch me on Sunday. And anytime you think about that, it makes it easy for you to get into a community and go out and thank those people. And when they come up to you and tell you they appreciate everything you do, you say, no, nah, man, I appreciate you sending those stands when it's three feet of snow out and uh, I'm sitting on the sideline under a coat and on a heated bench. And, you know, every now and then I got to go out in it. Y'all sitting in it the whole time. So, Mike, how did your role as a pro football player lend itself to becoming a civic leader? And for me, uh, the most important leader that I could be and in the most difficult was to establish my leadership at home. And once I could become a, a, a leader at home, then I knew that I could be authentic. I could be an authentic leader. And from there, I could go out into the community and, and, and do it right. I would have to say that it was hardest for me to become a leader at home. And I'll explain by saying this. I, I, I remember maybe it was our third year being married. And I came home and I, I saw the house. And I just kind of noticed the house. I'm like, man, you know, the kids are running around. And, and uh, it looked like the, a bomb had gone off in the house and the dinner was burned again. And I'm like, what does she do all day? And so... Man, I'm out there getting broken bones and stuff like that. I need to clean up the house. So, so I came up with a plan. So this, this plan that I came up with was I wanted her to go away for a weekend and let me have the kids. And she thought I was being nice, but I was really trying to show her something. <laughs> so when she left, first of all, she said, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, mean, I can handle this. You mean to tell me I can go out there and play football and I can't handle these kids? Go. So the minute my wife left, the kids just went all over the house. They were all over the house. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on? And I'm hearing noise upstairs. They're fighting upstairs. They're fighting downstairs. They're writing stuff on the wall. They're turning the fire on and the toilet's being flushed. Hey, what's going on in there? After maybe... Three or four hours, I was in my basement hiding. 
And they were calling me. They were trying to find me. So I'm, I'm thinking, this is what my wife does? So when she came home, I, I met her at the door. Where have you been? <laughs> Leaving me here with these kids. What, what are you thinking? But that was the day. That was the day that my whole thought process changed about what I was doing and what she was doing and how huge a job that she had and how I need to pick up my game to help her do that job. And then I could, I could really go out and I, I could do all kind of other stuff outside at home, but I had to conquer that one first. When it comes down to being involved in the community, you saw a piece that's, uh, St. Louis is one of the most philanthropic places I've ever lived in my life. And one of the things that, uh, and Nate touched on this earlier, uh, and to remind even the current players, is the responsibility to how we prepare to play the game is also a part of being involved in the community. So I always want to first with that responsibility. A lot of times you could go outside of yourself helping in the community. But it first starts, and I also like to remind any current players that, it, that will listen to this, is I'm 50 years old. And one of the unique things now that you're away from the game is when you put the effort in to honor the game and honor the people that were paying the money to see these games, they remind you now that you're long gone from the game. And the people come up to you and all of a sudden now the, the 50-year-old has his son or a someone, come, 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 or people name their children after you. That's the first part to understand the responsibility of it. Because when you're young and the cameras are on you, you have to be reminded. And because it's a young league and not as many veterans are in the locker room, we remind the current younger players that this game, it takes so many people including the fans, for this great game. The other part is I learned to uh, my family, there, there, was, there it was no, um, you couldn't get out of the commitment as a family that we were going to go collectively to serve in the community and partner with other organizations. You know, so many times guys try to do things on their own or start stuff on their own. I've just learned to connect with the partnerships and the organizations that are already serving in the community. And that's helped out tremendously. And so as we segue from community, one of the things that's had an impact on probably your life and certainly all of our lives, and that's mentorship. And that is what I call mentors, credible, successful others who've done well what you're attempting to do. I want to talk about two very different kinds of mentors, those who helped you on the field and those who helped you outside of the game of football uh, become a better man. Nate. Uh, go back to my rookie season. Spoke about it briefly with Randy Moss. But Randy was like the legend when he walked around. So when he spoke, it was the best player on the field speaking. But one of the guys that will always be at the top of my mind when it comes to mentors is a wide receiver by the name of Marcus Robinson, who came over from Chicago and played with us in Minnesota. And at the time, he came basically to be the Robin to Randy Moss's Batman. And I was young and competing for that same spot. And it was awkward because this was the first time in my life where it was obvious. They brought him there. They paid him. I'm a young guy still on a rookie deal. 
and the coaches are saying, if you want that position, go take it. But this guy was befriending me, so I didn't really know how to embrace that because there's some guys that will befriend you and they'll lead you astray just for selfish reasons. Then there's other guys that are very authentic about it, and he was one of those guys. I remember I took the starting job from him. It's like middle of the season. I was thinking it was going to be awkward, but our relationship got stronger and we're out to eat one night. He, he used um, an analogy that I'll always remember. And he said, you know, there's enough food on the table for everybody to eat. And I thought that was like a powerful statement for the simple fact that like, once a young guy takes your spot, it's almost like the beginning of the end because you know that these dudes are younger, faster, and they're cheaper. And I took that with me. Fast forward two different teams from Seattle to Detroit. They brought in two guys, Titus Young, Ryan Broyles, and they're drafted second round, and they're there to replace me. And people are like, well, what are you going to do with these young guys? Are you, know, you going to be a mentor to them, or are you just going to focus on getting your money and making plays? I was like, I'm going to give them every tool that they need. And so much so, Ryan Broyles, uh, the wide receiver, were sitting in the locker one day, and he said, Nate, can I ask you something? He's like, like I, don't take this the wrong way, but I just don't get, like, like why you're helping me. I feel like, I feel like, you're, I feel like you're leading me to a cliff. And I was like, why would, you, why would you feel that way? He's like, because everything that you know about the game, you're telling me and you're helping me. And you've said with your own mouth, if I do my job, you shouldn't be here. And I was like, you're right. If you do your job, you're cheaper, you're younger, they should release me, and you should be the next guy up for the contract. He's like, yeah, but, but why would you do that? I was like, because one, like we say in football all the time, you got to pay it forward. Somebody, an OG, an older guy, shows you love and gives you that tutelage, then you give that back to young guys. But more importantly, which is quite self-serving, which is what I try to tell these young guys now, if you give the guy who's supposed to take your spot every tool they need, you're honest with them, you're authentic with them, you truly want to see success in them. And it comes to that moment where the coaches say the competition is there and they got to choose a starter. And they say, Nate, you the starter. In my head, I'm thinking, I still got it. You know what I'm saying? So that was like my way of approaching the game honestly. Cream rises to the top. In most organizations, the best football player is going to be on the field. I did that for 11 years. And then there was a moment where I couldn't be out the young guy. And I didn't want to hang on. I didn't want to be that dude stealing money, occasionally coming in the game. I literally just walked away and was like, and I got a couple offers to keep playing, but there's a new generation of young players that need this opportunity, that need this money, and it's time for me to move. Thank you, Nate. Fred, describe the mentors you had. Oh, man, two, two mentors that stick out to me is, is along the lines of what Nate was saying was uh, Anthony Thomas. He was A-train, went to Michigan. Came in and same thing. He said, you know, I'm going to teach you everything I know. And one of the biggest things he taught me was uh, blitz pickup. You know, and he said, look, one of the things I see for you, if you learn how to read blitzes and, and pick up blitzes, you can stick around for a long time because I can see you being a great third down guy. You know, he taught me everything that he knew about it. And he was like, eventually you're going to beat me out. And he was like, and it shouldn't take you long to do it because like Nate said, he's like, you're way cheaper you can do everything I can, and they want to get cheaper and put the younger guy out there. 
But my my running back coach in Buffalo was one who I remember when I first got there, and we had Willis McGahee, A Train, we had Lionel Gates, Shad Williams, all these guys that could that were still great. I got in there and my running back coach at the time was just utterly and and discreetly honest with me. He was like, look, you better do everything they ask you to. He was like, the more you can do, the better chance you have of sticking around on this field. I had never covered kicks. I had never been on a punt team. I had never done this. And he was like, well, you're going to do it now. He was like, and I'm going to make sure you do it because if you want to be on this team, that's the stuff you're going to have to do. In the NFL, special teams are a big deal. And so you can't just be on special teams just going through the motions. You have to be good at it. And he was like, so he took me after practice and he worked on special team skills with me, not even just running back skills. We got our running back drills in, but at the end of practice, he was working on special team stuff with me. And uh, when you got a coach that puts that much time into you, you know, it, it let me know that I was in a great place and had a great coach. And that's Eric Studisville, you know, is, is my favorite coach of all time. Coach Mike, how did your mentors fuel your career? Jim Osborne um, really taught me how to be the kind of leader that I wanted to be. I, growing up in high school, you know, I needed to be a tough, tough leader and in-your-face kind of guy. You know, if I said something, that's the way I wanted it. Let's go right now. Uh, when I got to college, it was kind of the same way, but I grew up a little bit more. By the time I got to the NFL, Buddy Ryan, my rookie year, I remember... I came to camp late, first of all, because I was upset that I was, I, I was not a first-round pick. I was a second-round pick. So I had a chip on my shoulder coming in the wrong way. So I came in late. I stepped in the huddle. They had just cut the guy. We talk about mentors. They had just cut the guy that had been there and was Buddy Ryan's favorite guy, middle linebacker. They just cut him when they drafted me. So Buddy didn't like me to begin with. So I step into the huddle. I'm a week late. Buddy's telling me what the play is. I get it. And Alan Page and Dan Hampton, two of Buddy Ryan's favorite guys, are talking. And in my huddle, I've always learned from middle school, you're the Mike linebacker. When you step in that huddle, everything goes silent. So I'm thinking, okay, Dick Buckers did. Okay, he, he, I don't know. Okay, they all understand this. So I'm like, hey. Get in the huddle. Buddy Ryan says, what did you say? I said, I told them to get in the huddle and shut up. Buddy pointed toward Alan Page, who was basically a, 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 for sure, Hall of Famer. Do you know who he is? I said, I don't care who he is. He's in my huddle. Okay, that's fine. So Buddy and I didn't get along. I didn't help things. So one day I'm sitting out on the, the edge of the driveway, and Buddy's killing me. Every day he's killing me. I can't step right. I can't breathe right. So I made up my mind. I'm getting ready to go. I'm getting ready to go ask Buddy for trade. I, I, I can't take it. Jim Osborne passes by, and he says, um, Singletary, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing, young fella? I said, I'm getting ready to go up right now and ask for a trade. I'm not to, I can't take it anymore. This man does not like me. I don't like him. I'm ready to go. That's just great. 
Jim said, Mike, you, you don't understand. Buddy loves you. <laughs> I go, well, no, you, you know Buddy Ryan. The guy, the, the guy that's been killing me? How could he love me? Come on, Ozzy. He said, Mike, all you need to do is close your mouth. <laughs> just close your mouth. Everything that he says, just say, yes, sir. Really. Can you do that? Just one day? I, I can do that. From that day, we begin to start a relationship. We begin to start a dialogue. I just said, yes, sir. No matter what, no matter what he called me, no matter what he said, I just said, yes, sir. And that's the day that our relationship began to change. Had it not been for that conversation, I know I would have done something very stupid. So I've always thanked Jim Osborne because, you know, I'm a kind of just, I'm a live or die kind of guy. He taught me something that day. Now, Mike, you have to share something and mention, one of the guys mentioned pay it forward when it comes down to mentorship. Tell the this audience about the young Ray Lewis when you begin coaching in Baltimore and what happened that first meeting briefly? First of all, I didn't like Ray Lewis. <laughs> Before I started coaching, I did not like Ray Lewis. I said, this brother talks way too much to be playing middle linebacker. Just go, just keep, just lay the hat. That's all you got to do. Just let me hear you. So you want him to shut up? Yeah, I want him to shut up. <laughs> just, just lay the hat, man. This guy talks all day. Come on, baby. We're going to do it. Man, just be quiet. Play. <laughs> so anyways, I get to Baltimore my first day there. And Ray Lewis and I meet each other in the locker room. Ray sees me on the other side, and he runs over to me. And he said, Coach, go sing it there. They told me they won't get you. Man, this is an answer to prayer. I could not wait till you got here. He said, look, I want you to teach me everything you know about being a man, everything you know about being a player, everything. Promise me you'll do that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Ray and I started meeting every Tuesday. And we would have our Bibles, and he would talk to me about life. And, and we'd just sit there, and he would ask me all the questions that he wanted to ask. And we would just dialogue. We did that for two years. And it was one of the greatest times that I had as a coach, being able to be around someone who was such a student not of, not of just the game of football, but the game of life and hunger for wisdom, that really touched me in, in a major way that uh, really changed my, my thought process about how we go about life and, and how we go about serving uh, others that are really hungry for truth. It's been tremendous, but an honor. Uh, and I want to say once again, to you guys. You know, we tell our stories in the locker room, but each and every one of you guys have your own stories. And if you've heard our stories, I know there's some parallels to this game. And one, one of the things I love about the game of football that it brings masses of people together. 
Not that the other sports don't. And it brings fans from all ethnicities, all socioeconomic backgrounds. We all could be in Texas Stadium, different jerseys, but all just excited about this game. So let's take this unique sport that brings people together from all over with a common vision, and that's to win. Thank you so much uh, for being here and listening. Come on, give yourselves a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you, Coach Mike. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Nate. Outstanding. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at nfllegends at nfl.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.